It's 12 a.m. Everyone else where you're staying is asleep. You've been watching a provocative television show and suddenly you find yourself struggling with lustful thoughts. When those thoughts enter your mind, you think, no, I can't give in to these. I've got an important job interview tomorrow and I don't want there to be anything to hinder God's ability to bless me. Or you may think, I've recently just started moving forward in my faith and getting connected at the church and with other Christians. I don't want to be captured and enslaved by these lustful thoughts. But while you're thinking that, another thought pops into your head. But God's gracious. God's a forgiving God. If I give in just this one time, surely God will forgive me and tomorrow, tomorrow I can work hard on ridding myself of these thoughts. At least at that point, the temptation won't be so strong. Or maybe it's not lustful thoughts. Maybe you're a person who's prone to angry outbursts. And you know that this is displeasing to the Lord and it's harmful to people around you. But still there is this one person who every time you interact with that person, you can't help but yourself but simply want to let them have it. It seems like everything they do annoys you. It seems like they've purposely gone out of their way to make you angry. And every time you allow yourself to think about it, you think, if I could just this one time... Just let them have it. I know it would feel so good. And you think, no, that's not what God has called me to do. But this thought enters your mind. But God's a forgiving God. Everyone sins, everyone messes up. If I give in just this one time, God will make it better. Or perhaps, You've made, a God, you've made God a promise about your weight. You've promised him and yourself that you want to give up desserts maybe for a season because you want to be engaged in more healthy eating and more nutritious, uh, more nutritious eating and more healthy living. But on a particular day, you just feel this strong craving. Craving for something sweet and there's some candy available and you think to yourself, yes, I know that I made this promise. I know that I promised God and myself that I wasn't going to engage in this. But God's not a God of legalism. He's a God of grace. Why couldn't I just give in this one time? Why couldn't I just indulge my sweet tooth and, and break the promise that I made just this one time tomorrow? Tomorrow I will work harder at keeping the promise. After all, God will forgive me. Or let's take that same idea on a bigger scope. Have you ever come across someone who is bent on getting a divorce and they know and you know that God is not approved of this? This is not something that's from the Lord and you try to say to them, Look, this is disobeying God. You don't want to do this. And their response is, listen, you don't understand what it's like to live with this person. 
I can't possibly make it through another day. I know that God doesn't want me to get divorced, but I'm obeying him in all the other areas of my life. I've just got to get through this, and then I'll ask him to forgive me, and then I'll work hard on obeying him from that point forward. Is there anything wrong with that kind of thinking? I mean, isn't God a forgiving God? Isn't God a gracious God? This morning, we want to talk about sin and its power over us. And we want to ask and answer the question, Why not just give in to those sinful impulses that we have just one time? Why not give in to those? God is a gracious God. God is a forgiving God. So why shouldn't we just give in and allow him to forgive us? I'd like you to take a Bible and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 page 915 if you picked up one of these Bibles as you walked in. Romans chapter 6. While you're turning, let me say to you that I've wanted for a long time to preach this passage. I don't just get to pick what I want to preach. We have to pick uh, and preach the things that God gives us. And so he hadn't picked the book of Romans. until this year. And when he picked the book of Romans, I knew that this passage was coming. And the reason why I've wanted to share this passage with you is number one, it has meant so much to me personally in helping me overcome the power of sin in certain areas of my life. And I have seen it have incredible power to do the same for others. This passage is about freedom that you and I can have from the overwhelming power of sin, and I have longed for a long time to share this with you. Well, today we get to do that. Romans chapter 6, and we begin in verse 15. What then, Paul asks, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? That's our question. That's the question we've been talking about. Why not give in to lustful thoughts just one time? Why not give in to that urge for that angry outburst just one time? Why not give in to that desire for food that you've promised God you're not going to eat just one time? Why not go ahead and get a divorce even though you know God doesn't want you to do it and you're disobeying him? That's this question. Now it's important to understand the difference between this question and the one we, you talked about last week from chapter 6, verse 1. Look back at that question. There Paul asked, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? That question that Tom took us through last week was basically, why don't we want to live a life of sin? And the answer that God gave to us was, Jesus died so that we can have new life. 
We are united with him. We now have the opportunity for his life to radiate through us. Why would anyone want to stay in a lifestyle of sin? All that came from that was death. That was the question in verse 1. Verse 15 is a different question. And the question is, okay, I don't want to live a lifestyle of sin. I don't want sin to dominate who I am. But why not choose to sin just once? Why not choose to sin and give in to sin just one time? Now, I should tell you, as we look at this, this is not really talking about unintentional sins. All of us sin regularly. We fall short of who God wants us to be, often in ways we don't even know about. That's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about making a conscious choice to do something that you know God has chosen for you not to do. That's why I use the example of pornography. That's why I use the example of an angry outburst where God has been very clear. He doesn't want that to be a part of your life anymore. Romans 6 verses 15 and following is not talking about just a general sense of sin. It's talking about those specific sins in our life that we regularly fall prey to, that we regularly give into, and the question is, why not choose to give into that sin just one time? In this passage, we're going to hear two reasons why we don't want to do that. But first, let me tell you what is not a reason or what's not an argument. What's not an argument is thinking somehow if we give in to this sin that God won't forgive us. God will. If you are a believer in Jesus, all of your sins, past, present, and future are covered by the death of Jesus. There's a temptation for me as a preacher to stand up here in order to scare you away from sin and say, if you do this willfully, you won't be forgiven. But that is not true. That is not true. Every sin is covered by Jesus. Willful and those that are unknown. And so Paul's answer to, why not in the middle of the night when you're faced with lustful thoughts, why not go ahead and get that divorce even when God's told you not to? The answer is not you won't be forgiven. You will be. That's the power of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. There is nothing that you and I have done, are doing, or could do in the future that his death is not sufficient for. Now some of you may say, please don't tell them that they'll be forgiven. That will just encourage them to do it. You, got to tell the truth. you have to tell the truth. <laughs> if I lied to you, it would do much more damage. So hear me right. You will be forgiven. 
There are, however, two reasons why you don't want to engage in that sin, even one time. They're given to us in this passage. Keep going with me. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, Paul says in the strongest possible language, absolutely not. At 12 a.m. in the morning, when you see that person that you want to just have that angry outburst, why not give in? Absolutely not. You must not give in at that point. Why? Reason number one. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Paul's point here is that sin has the power to enslave us. Sin has the power to enslave us. Now listen, even non-Christians have figured this out. Some of you might be familiar with the movie, The Empire Strikes Back. In that movie, there's a scene where uh, Yoda is training Luke, and they have uh, this dialogue and this discussion, and I'm not going to do it in a Yoda voice, so you're just going to have to hear it that way. (laughs) But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you it will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Here George Lucas, who's not a believer as far as I know, has realized that darkness has an enslaving power. It has an ability that if you give in to fear and to anger and to aggression, it will control your behavior. Ask anyone who struggled with substance abuse whether or not sin has the power to enslave. Jesus says the same thing much more eloquently than either George Lucas or Yoda in John chapter 8. Very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. God made the same point to Cain in Genesis chapter 4 when he was trying to encourage him. Don't give in to the temptation to murder your brother Abel. Cain had become angry. God meets him right after his anger, and this is what he says to him. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. These are all making the same point. Sin has enslaving power. Paul's point in Romans 6 This huge warning is that when you and I become a Christian, sin does not lose its enslaving power. Do you understand? Romans 6 is being written to Christians. 
What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Paul is saying we, meaning you and I who are believers in Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians and he says, don't you, believers in Jesus, don't you know that if you offer yourselves to sin, it will enslave you. Have you ever known a Christian, a genuine Christian, who was addicted to pornography or substance abuse or constantly giving in to a critical or negative spirit? Do you know someone who's constantly beset by anxiety or by fear or seems to be entrapped or enslaved to bitterness or anger or whatever it may be? That's because of this truth. Sin still has the power to enslave. It still has the power to enslave us. And Paul says reason number one why you don't want to give in to that sin even one time is if you offer yourself to sin to obey it, it will be your master. It will enslave you. And suddenly you find yourself unable to have freedom from it. So reason number one, why you and I do not want to consciously give in to that angry outburst, why we don't want to consciously give in to that lust for food or sexuality or whatever it may be, why we don't want to give in to those things is because sin still has the power to enslave us. Second reason. Stay with me in verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. The second reason why you and I as Christians don't want to give in to that impulse, that urge to disobey God, sin leads to death. Look over in verse 23, same passage. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, the result of sin is death. Now many of you may have heard Romans 6.23 in the context of sharing the gospel with a non-Christian. That this is an important passage for helping a non-Christian understand and realize that because of their sin, they are separated from God. That's absolutely true. But notice that this verse comes in a passage being written to Christians. It's being written in a passage to Christians trying to encourage us not to sin. In other words, what Paul is saying is the wages of sin is death whether you're a non-Christian or a Christian. The only difference is for a non-Christian, the wages of sin is eternal separation from God, which that's not true for a Christian because of Jesus. 
But do you see what he's saying? In a passage written to you and I, trying to encourage us, don't choose that sin even one time. Why? Because every sin leads to death. Notice it doesn't say the wages of sins is death. The wages of sin, singular, is death. Now death comes in a variety of forms. There is physical death. That's not really what's emphasized here. Death is separation from the source of life who is God. God is the source of all joy, all peace, all love, all goodness, all patience, all blessing in the universe. Sin causes us to experience some form of death because it causes some form of separation from God, some form of loss of joy, some form of loss of peace, some form of suffering or discouragement or whatever it may be. That is the result of sin. Listen, I used to think wrongly that the way this worked was that you had to have to build up and accumulate a certain number of sins and that God sort of looked the other way while you did this, but at some point you reached a, a number which was just too much, the straw that broke the camel's back, and at that point God decided to step in and bring discipline. The problem with that is not only is it not true, Satan uses that because he always tells you, that line is somewhere further than where you are right now. But listen, the reason why this passage was so powerful in my life and so important, that is not how this works. Let me ask you this question. How many times did Adam have to sin in order for death to enter the world? One time. That's the point. Every single sin results in some form of death. Every single sin results in some form of death. You don't have to get a certain number that are accumulated and then you get experienced discipline. That's not how it works. Every single sin results in some form of death. Why don't you want to engage in pornography? Why don't you want to give in to that angry outburst? Why don't you want to choose to get that divorce? Why don't you want to give in to that anxiety or that fear or that bitterness? Every single conscious sin results in some form of death. And so the second reason Paul says, every sin results in death. Why don't you and I want to choose just one time to give in? Because we will effectively become enslaved to sin And every choice to sin leads to death. If I could summarize it this way, a good friend uh, of mine used to hand out a little token uh, with this anonymous saying on it that was uh, very helpful. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Why not give in? You will be forgiven. But you will become re-enslaved to sin. 
and you will experience some form of death. Not eternal separation from God. Jesus has won that for us on the cross. Now that's the warning in this passage. The really, really great thing about this passage is it not only warns us why not to choose that one sin, it also provides for us the solution if you are enslaved to sin. The good news about this passage is perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, I wish I knew this a long time ago. I wish I understood this, but I've made sinful choices. I'm experiencing enslavement to sin. Perhaps right now you've come here and there is some aspect of sin in your life. Maybe it has to do with lustful thoughts. Maybe it has to do with anger. Maybe it has to do with the path of disobedience that you're on. And you're saying, but now I'm trapped. What do I do? I feel sin's power in my life. Listen, if you're here and you don't want to be set free from sin, that's the first half of Romans 6. That's the encouragement. Why do you want to keep doing this? Why do you want to keep doing this when you can have the life of Jesus radiating through you? But if you're here this morning and you're like, I want to be free. I want to be done with this. You don't have to tell me that sin has enslaving power. I know it. I feel it. It's in my life. I've tried over and over again to get rid of this thing. It keeps coming back and it owns me. I got really, really good news for you. This passage are the instructions for how to get out. Verse 19. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. And here it is. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Again, we're talking about an experience that Christians can have. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now, that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. There's one command in this passage, just like there was one command in the previous section. Offer yourselves to God to obey him. Now let me explain how this works. To understand what's going on, we gotta back up in our thinking to Romans 5. When we were in Romans 5, we talked about the fact that Jesus' one act of obedience overwhelmed not only Adam's one act of disobedience, but all the disobedience of all those who have placed their faith in Jesus. From that, we concluded that obedience is stronger than disobedience. Now, follow Paul's logic. Obedience is stronger than disobedience. 
the first half of Romans 6, you and I, through faith in Jesus, are now united with him. We're now one with Jesus so that Jesus' obedience and Jesus' life can now flow through us. Here's Paul's point. When you and I choose one act of obedience... Jesus' life and power comes into our life and it overwhelms all previous acts of disobedience. Here's the really, really, really great news. It doesn't matter how long you've been enslaved to the sin you're enslaved to. It doesn't matter if it's generations. It doesn't matter if it's going on for years. If today, when that temptation comes, If tonight, when the temptation comes to engage in pornography, if today, when that person that annoys the life out of you and the temptation comes to give in to the anger, if today, when you look at that food that you promised God you weren't going to eat, if today you decide, I'm not going to get divorced, if today you choose to obey just one time, you're free. Do you understand this? You are free. It doesn't take years to get free. That's the passage. This is what God is saying. Because of what Jesus has done for us, all you have to do is choose to obey once and you're out. Now listen. This is a zero tolerance kind of thing. Because sin retains its enslaving power. How many drinks does an alcoholic have to have after they've been out for a while to simply be back in? Just one. Listen, this is how it works with sin. But the fact of the matter is, right now, sin has power over you. That's why those temptations are so strong. If today, today you choose to obey, you are free. And if tomorrow you choose to obey, you're becoming more a slave of righteousness. Now listen to me, I know how this works. One of the lies is going to be, I can't give this up. I can't give this up for a week or a month or a year. Because you're imagining how hard it is right now and you think it's going to be even harder a month from now or a year from now. I can't do this. Listen, that's a lie from Satan. What you don't understand is a week from now or a month from now or a year from now, you are going to be more a slave of righteousness. You will have more strength and power. The point is, please, this is the truth of this passage. Take your eyes off of tomorrow. It's today, right now. If you choose to obey, you are free one act of obedience now listen there are things that you can do there's accountability there's removing temptation there's going through and trying to understand how it is that this sin has such a hold on your life but the fundamental thing you need to know is this truth one act of obedience will break sin's power If you are a Christian here and you are enslaved to sin, many of us in the room know how that feels. It's a real thing. It doesn't have to be alcohol, it can be. It can be substance abuse, it can be anything that has to do with your body. Listen, when sin's enslaving power is in your life, 
It is your master. I understand this. I know it's this truth that Jesus died to give us the power to be set free. And when you and I make that one choice, one choice, you'll be free. And then Paul's point is, why would you ever want to go back into this? Once you're free, why would you ever want to go back? Again, like I said, if you're happy in the sin that you're in, this is not the passage for you. It's the previous passage. You're missing the life of Jesus. You don't have any idea how great this is. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I want freedom. I want it gone. I want the chains gone. The battle will take place today. Today. Whenever that temptation comes, today. If you choose to obey, your life will be united with Jesus and his power will flow through you and that one act of obedience will overwhelm all previous acts of disobedience and you will be free. And then Paul's point is, is once you're free, don't go back into it. Don't go back into it. The great lie of Satan is somehow this is an accumulation of things. He gets us to accumulate sin. And then we think, oh, the consequences, they're out further, further, further. And when we realize my life is now full of death, I got lied to, there is death all over the place, then he turns around and lies to us the other way and says, it'll take years and years to get out, and you don't have the power to do it. Listen to the word of God. One sin puts you in, one act of obedience overwhelms all previous disobedience, and you're free. That's what Jesus won for us on the cross. Now listen, if you want to talk to somebody about the mechanics of how this works, I'll be available down front. I'll be glad to talk to you. We got other people on the staff. Again, there are things that you can do. Accountability, removing temptation, all of those things that are helpful. But this is the fundamental truth that you must understand. Why not choose sin just one time? Why not give in to that temptation just this once? Won't God forgive you? He will, but you'll be enslaved and you'll experience some form of death. The better question is, why not choose obedience just one time? Why not choose to obey now and be free? Why not choose to obey and become more and more a slave of righteousness? Why not set this mechanism on its head so that you become more and more a slave of holiness so that Jesus' life radiates through you more and more? That's the question. And when each of you go home today, whenever that temptation comes, it might come late at night, it might come in some interaction, it might come uh, tomorrow, when it comes, Please choose obedience. Test God in this. Test him and see if Jesus has not overcome sin and death. Test him and see if God did not send Jesus to set the captives free. Listen, I know what it's like to be captive to sin as a Christian. And I know what it's like to have freedom. Choose freedom.